He's the owner of the most educated feet in professional wrestling. Some would call him the professor. Some might call him infamous. We call him the host of the show. And I mean, <laughs> folks, where's the lie? It's time for the Undisputed Podcast with Bobby Fish. And it, during that period of time of studying the way the Japanese ran their business and comparing it to what we were doing, I went, okay, I need a reality-based storyline. I need something that feels real because that's what the Japanese are doing. How can I integrate some reality-based storytelling and presentation in this environment back in 1995 or six? How can I do that? And then Scott Hall comes in didn't click for me yet shortly thereafter kevin nash comes in aha i have an idea both scott hall and kevin nash worked for wcw previously and got a lot of exposure and they were both miserable and they went to wwe and they became huge stars such huge stars, and they had enough money that they could come back and take revenge on WCW for not giving them the opportunity that they deserved. That was the premise of that. When I said I had an outline, yeah, that I knew I had to have something that felt real. That was the the you know, four corners of the outline. I knew I wanted to create some kind of risk, some something of great loss. I knew, I, and I didn't think that way because I hadn't read the book yet, Hero's Journey, but I knew I had to have something that felt so important that the audience would feel like it's important. And it wasn't belts. It wasn't yeah. a $5,000 over-the-top battle royale. You know? <laughs> yeah. it, it wasn't any of that. What What is that? So I knew I had to have a certain element of of I'm painting the picture here. Um, I knew I had to have a certain element of stakes and risk yeah. and danger. And that, then, I mean, that's super interesting for a you know fan of it. I grew up watching that, and uh, to hear that backdrop is so unbelievably interesting to see where all of that went, and to see what the NWO became, and the place in history that it holds. To think that that premise was, was the start of it. You know? And here's the fun part when you think about that too. And, and when you think about, and it, now you can go back and watch the NWO story unfold for a few months and probably look at it from a different perspective. Right. And that's the fun part. That's looking at it from a different level. But <clears throat> once Scott came in, once Scott's okay, now I got Scott, S Scott and Kevin and pretty quickly the, I was able to start filling in more detail to the idea, right? And that's when this, that's when I thought, okay, I'm gonna have Scott Hall come down. Then oh, next week I'm gonna have Kevin Nash come down, and then they're gonna threaten me in WCW. <gasps> Ooh, that's never happened before. That's cool. Yeah. That part I had laid out in my head pretty well. I could see that. I could see it in my head. It wasn't vague. And I and I went with it. Kevin comes down. Nash. Now, by the time Nash comes and I, that part of that story unfolds, I had gone to Sting, Steve Borden. Because Hulk was off doing a movie. I had talked to Hulk a year earlier about turning heel, and he, as politely as he could, without physically throwing me out the door, threw me out the door. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, I'm not going to, you know, 
call Hulk on the movie set because I hadn't seen him or talked to him in about a month and a half and say, hey, Hulk, do you want to turn heel? You know? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why is he going to do it? So I went to Sting. And because Sting was Sting's character was getting a little tired and he knew it. Yeah. yeah. And and he could feel it. He used to say his he was growing his hair out, you know, he wasn't quite the flat top surface yeah. thing anymore. He was kind of like that, yeah. starting to become a cool sting, but still wearing the glitter and stuff. Yeah. So I went to sting because we were very close. And I said, Steve, what do you think? I got this idea. And I and I shared the idea with Sting because I knew I could trust him. And I said, because we had become pretty good friends by then. Come out here and visit me in Wyoming and stuff like that. So I laid it out. And Sting, you have to know Sting. Steve Borden. He's very analytical and very thoughtful. And when I say thoughtful, I mean you give him an idea and you can see his wheels starting to grind. And they grind very... They grind very, very, very slowly. But they're but he, once you lay something out to him, he's gonna think it through. And and I knew that. I was expecting it to take a day or two for him to think about it and get back to me. And he said almost immediately, Yeah, I like that. Wow. I can he's like, I can see that. I went, wow. And it there might have been a little bit more to that, but not much. So now I've got Sting in my back pocket. Or I've got Sting. That was going to be my story. Sting was going to be the third man. Because we ran that, who's the third man, who's the third man, who's the, all the way up until Bash at the Beach. That was the premise of that story, that pay-per-view. And lo and behold, this is where the story starts to take on a life of its own. Because now things are happening that I could not possibly anticipate. And even if I wanted them, I couldn't make it happen. And at this point, Eric, you're thinking Sting will be the third. It was going to be Sting. Yeah. Until I got a phone call. Hulk Hogan. Hadn't talked to him in five, six, seven weeks. He was literally on a set in the middle of the mountains up in Northern California doing a movie. Santa with muscles, actually. Um, <laughs> I shit you not. Oh, he's favorite. That was that was the movie. Yes. So Hulk calls me and said, Eric, I can't leave this. I can't leave the set, but... Is there any chance you can come out here to California? I said, well, I'm in Atlanta, you know, I got a business to run. And I said, well, sure, Hulk, but what's up? What do you want to talk about? Oh, I just want to talk about some, some creative. Hmm, that's a little weird. But okay, cool. I'm on my way. Next day, I flew out to California. Long story, I'm not going to get into it. I finally arrive about 11 o'clock at, t- at night up to wherever the set was in the mountains. And I went up to Hulk's trailer in a nice trailer and i walked in and he's sitting he's sitting as soon as i walked in there's like a little living area and he's sitting back on the couch smoking a cigar with a cooler full of beer waiting for me <laughs> it felt like it was in a mafia movie <laughs> <laughs> what's he gonna do break both my legs right yeah, you must really hate what he's seeing on tv <laughs> but i walk in sit down he Fires up a stogie for me and crack a beer, and we just, you know, making small talk. And then finally, he starts getting serious. So, starts doing this. Whenever he's serious, he starts stroking his Fu Manchu. (laughs) So, he's got a cigar in one hand, looked like the Godfather. He's stroking his Fu Manchu. And he says, So, who's the third man? 
because we'd been running the Who's the Third Man promotion for a couple yeah. of weeks, and he saw it. Jimmy Hart had been sending him tapes, VHS tapes. Jimmy had been recording the show and sending it FedEx overnight to get to Hulk so Hulk could sit in his trailer and watch what we were doing. And Hulk sees Scott Hall come down. Then it's Kevin Nash threatening WCW. Ring. <laughs> oh, Hulk, how are you? <laughs> but Hulk had been seeing that and wanted to talk about it. So he stroked his Who's the third man? Who's, and I, I didn't want to tell him because I had done a real, I didn't, Sting was the only one that knew. Kevin didn't know and Scott didn't know at that point. Oh, wow. They did not know. They didn't know Sting was going to be the third man. We hadn't laid out the finish. They just knew they were in the middle of something that was really cool mm -hmm. at that point. So I, I couldn't not tell Hulk. You know, we have a pretty good relationship even back then, even after he threw me out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, well, but I didn't want to tell him. So I said, well, uh, who do you want it to be? <laughs> <laughs> Answering a question with a question. Yeah. Actually, I said, who do you think it should be? Is what I said. And now it's quiet, right? I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. But he hmm. gives me that big old chin. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at him, brother. I went, yay! <laughs> oh and and awesome. then I went, and then I went, oh shit. What do I tell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yay. That's oh, awesome. No. Oh my God. <laughs> well, ironically, the, the running story we have here on the podcast is that uh Bobby was the one that convinced Hulk to turn yes. heels. So yes. that Hulk called so, you after a after. conversation with a yeah, I thought it was Jimmy Hart. Yeah. Hey, it's Dennis, one half of the Demi Boys here on the Undisputed Podcast with Bobby Fish. If you love that little tidbit that we just gave you of our latest episode, you're going to want to check out the full conversation that we had, only available on the Premier Streaming Network. So subscribe to the Premier Streaming Network, get the full episode on demand right now.